I'm Jasmine Moulton, and this is Reality Check. Leftist reaction to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's passing this week was totally predictable because that's how they react to every Canadian symbol. And that's to say, with contempt. Specifically, they say that our head of state and other national symbols, from Sir John A. statues to symbols like the national flag, represent a colonial past of racism and genocide. Their basic conclusion is that we should be ashamed of our country, not proud of the country that Canada is today, and also that we should tear it all down and replace it with a system that has more equity, their favorite word. But the Queen's death is just the latest story that's given politicians and the legacy media an excuse to paint Canada as this shameful nation. Take, for example, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls report, which was released in 2019, where Trudeau affirmed Canada committed genocide. Fast forward to 2021, a story emerged of 215 unmarked graves of children from residential schools near Kamloops in British Columbia. And earlier this year in 2022, the trucker convoy, which was in Ottawa, stories emerged that a swastika flag was being waved around Parliament Hill. Now, unchecked, any of these claims would rightfully be horrendous. And what followed was a national shaming campaign launched by the legacy media and politicians in Canada. Take a listen. Some Canadians are rethinking what the maple leaf means. I guess I'm disappointed that whenever I see a Canada flag now, I have to second guess whether those people are patriotic to the country or if they are processing things that we've long held to be true. It is something that is a rallying call, but it has um, connotations that are both negative and positive. There is a pride in some way. That's why they refer to themselves as patriots. But what they're patriots of is something that does not necessarily exist. I think from the last few months and the year we had in the previous year as well, it has definitely changed to a more negative light because of all the Indigenous graves that we have uncovered and as well because of the Freedom Convoy. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians. Conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. Anytime we think about unmarked mass graves, we think about a distant country where a genocide has happened. This is not a distant country. This is here in Canada. I plan to keep those flags at half-mast. Uh, until uh, it is clear that Indigenous peoples are happy to raise them again. Canada's first Prime Minister pulled from his lofty perch above Place du Canada. As the statue hits the ground, McDonald's head pops off. No pride in genocide! No pride in genocide! As you heard from those clips, Canadians are being told by our politicians and their friends in the legacy media that our national symbols represent hate and that we should be ashamed of our country. And given the prevalence of this message across the country, it's no wonder that we saw Canada Day celebrations being cancelled, the Peace Towers flag being lowered to half-mast for over five months, certain media outlets reporting that now the Canadian flag needs a trigger warning and statues of our first Prime Minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, being toppled while police stood by. So here's our reality check for this week. 
Canada is one of the greatest countries in the world, and it should be celebrated. But before we get into explaining why the leftist argument is wrong here, first we really need to go over some definitions, because these words get tossed around all the time, and I'm not even convinced that leftists know what they mean. One word you'll always hear leftists bring up in relation to national pride is fascism. Again, I'd say it's worth asking for a definition, what do they mean by this word? Because chances are they have no idea what the word means. So here's a definition. Fascism is a political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Nationalism often gets mistaken for fascism, so it's worth defining nationalism as well. Nationalism refers to support for interests in one's nation over the interest of other nations. So in other words, this is just kind of like that airplane instruction to put your own mask on before you help others. Take care of your own country's interests first above interests of perhaps the World Economic Forum or the United Nations. Lastly, the word patriotism is one that often gets stigmatized by leftists and therefore is worthy of a quick definition right now. Patriotism can be defined as one's love of country or a statement that your nation has values that are eternal, true, and noble. So why did I go through these definitions? Because often if you define yourself as a nationalist or call yourself a patriot, leftists will often conflate those terms and call you a fascist. And this is not accurate remotely. Valuing the interests of your own country above other countries does not make you a fascist. Loving your country and loving the values that it stands for does not make you a fascist. There's nothing inherently bad about nationalism or patriotism, whereas yes, fascism is evil. All right, so now that we've got these basic definitions on the table, let's move on to a fact check because if it were true that Canada had committed all of these horrendous acts and if it was still a racist, genocidal, colonial country, you could probably understand and empathize with the left's sense of shame over Canada. But the left's got their facts wrong about how a lot of these things have historically played out, so it's worth looking into what they've got wrong. We really don't have time to go through how every leftist is wrong about every single symbol in Canada representing hatred. So let's start with the biggies, the monarchy. Leftists say that the Queen's death was triggering to them because she represented a system of colonialism which inflicted abuse on Canada's Aboriginal people. What's important to note here is that Canada itself is a constitutional monarchy, meaning we separate the roles of head of government and head of state. The monarch is the head of state, which is largely a symbolic role, and the prime minister in Canada is the head of government. This differs, for example, from the United States, which is a republic with a presidential system, meaning their president down in the US is both head of state and head of government. Now, how is any of this relevant? Because the queen only played a symbolic role. She had no political power. Now, leftists might still argue that she presided over this legislative system, but basically the only role that she would play in it is providing royal assent, which amounts to essentially rubber stamping the legislation that comes out of the House then Senate. Granting royal assent is essentially just a formality. If leftists suggest that she did not need to grant royal assent to any sort of the legislation coming out of the Canadian Parliament, this would be highly irregular and really unacceptable in a democracy today. The last time that the royals refused royal assent was in 1708. 
Canada's head of state does not and should not exercise legislative power. So it's simply just not the case that the Queen was actively pursuing a colonial legislative agenda here in Canada. Continuing on with our quick fact check, let's move on to this unmarked grave story that emerged from Kamloops, British Columbia. True North has done some excellent and very extensive reporting on this story already, so it really is worth checking it out. Specifically, Candace Malcolm did an interview with Professor Tom Flanagan entitled, The Media is Not Telling the Truth About the Unmarked Graves. Take a listen. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, if, if, if you can comment on why you think that the media was so sort of quick to jump on the story why there wasn't any verifying of facts, why they didn't ask for more evidence and sort of, you know, why this story took on a life of its own. Yeah. Well, there are, <clears throat> there are several background factors here that help to explain how this story could gather so much momentum so quickly. Uh, first of all, it played to an existing narrative. The narrative had already been established over, um, well, let's say about, uh, about 30 years previously, uh, ever since Phil Fontaine made his famous interview with Barbara Frum in 1990, the story has been built that the residential schools were evil places where uh, students were deprived of their language and culture and, you know, in fact, even, even tortured and killed. So there had been lots of uh, oral testimony to this um, in, in this direction over a period of many years. So the, the media were primed to report uh, what they thought or what they heard to be physical evidence of this pre-existing narrative. So when something plays into an existing media narrative, it's, uh, it, it's bound to get um, uncritical coverage. And that's exactly what it did get. So as that podcast episode goes over, essentially the story started out talking about mass graves, which rightfully sounds horrific. And it eventually evolves into hundreds of unmarked graves. But really one of the key details of the story, which has been, if not excluded or just significantly minimized by the legacy media, is that to this day, no human remains have actually been unearthed. So we're essentially just talking about soil disturbances, which are thought to be graves. No human remains have actually been unearthed to verify this story. I bring this story up because politicians and the legacy media were all too quick to jump on it before the facts had even been verified. And not surprisingly, they were happy to contribute to this narrative of national shame that swept over the country and had quite a big impact. Moving right along with our fact check, let's get to third, last but not least, talking about the trucker convoy, specifically with regards to the Canadian flag, which leftists now say requires a trigger warning because after they saw the truckers waving it on Parliament Hill alongside other flags, such as the swastika, they said now they associate our national symbol of the flag with hate. Obviously, a swastika is a symbol of pure evil of hatred and has no place in Canada. The missing piece of the puzzle, though, is who was actually waving that flag because the person has never been identified despite quite a hefty reward offered by our very own Candace Malcolm from True North of $6,500 for his identification. So with no indication of who this person was, there really is no proof that he was part of this group of truckers on Parliament Hill. In fact, it could have just been a smear job from somebody who opposed the trucker convoy wanting to undermine the entire movement on the hill. So as I've said, Nazi flags and symbols are evil and 
we should absolutely condemn them and they have no place in this country. They are symbols of a fascist regime. Hitler was a fascist. And anyone who claims that the trucker convoy was fascist or had fascist intentions, clearly, as I've stated before, has no idea what the definition of fascism is. So it's worth revisiting. Fascism subjugates the individual to country, which doesn't sound anything like the trucker convoy, which was saying individual rights and choice on vaccine, for example, should override national dictates. Fascism favors centralized authority behind a dictatorial leader. Whereas obviously people that were supporting the Freedom Convoy were saying that, no, we don't want to succumb to the will of a, a leader telling us what to do. We want to have individual choice when it comes to things like our personal health decisions and vaccine mandates. So really truckers waving the Canadian flag on Parliament Hill during the trucker convoy was about individual personal freedom, which is the opposite of fascism. So here's a reality check. We can all agree that racism, colonialism, and genocide are all inherent evils. They're not good, they have no place in Canada, and should rightly be condemned. But what we disagree on is left charges to Canada concerning these issues. Their claims aren't all accurate, and a lot of them lack consensus. While it's true that Canada does have an imperfect past and historical moments worthy of condemnation, that doesn't or shouldn't preclude Canadians from celebrating a country which today is one of the greatest countries undeniably in the world. Evils such as colonialism and racism are not unique to Canada or the British Empire or the West at large, and we should absolutely condemn historical wrongs. At the same time, it's worthwhile noting what sets Canada apart. Canadians' love for country stems from Canada's honoring of values such as defending human rights, democracy, and individual freedoms. This is what our national symbols represent, not hate. So when leftists claim that our national symbols like our flag, our first prime minister, our head of state, when they say that these symbols represent hate, in reality, these symbols just represent values that the left doesn't like, such as equality over equity, individual freedom over collectivism, unity and continuity over deconstructionism. So we should be very weary of leftists who are eager to tear down our institutions that have created, historically speaking, one of the best societies to live in of all time. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard and you appreciate the content that True North generates for you week after week, please consider donating. You can donate to True North at donate.tnc.news. Don't forget to tune into Reality Check next week. I'm Jasmine Moulton.